B.Y. Sherman, Leo Blavin, and Andrew Shapiro. My name is Mike Lewandowski. We're going to leave you with a good night and a go blue. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The sports department would like to thank you for your continued support of the University of Michigan Student Radio. Moss knocked over Cambellini, winds up and he scores! Just Cambellini lets a laser go from the near side circle, and the Wolverines take a 1-0 lead off the rocket, off the stick of Jeff Cambellini. I suppose our youngsters would say cornball or square. And now, CBN Radio brings you... All the broadcast uh, uh, media can do to give them a sense of flavor. It's all vegetable. It's digestible. It's delicious and nutritious, bite-sized and ready to eat. It's made with real egg formula. And here's a nice-looking record package in from New York. I woke up this morning with broadcast. WCBN, America's ace of the airwaves. This instrument is good for nothing but to entertain, amuse, and insulate. And we will soon see that the whole struggle is lost. And believing that radio has a responsibility to serve in the public interest at all times, we are turning over our facilities to the state militia at Trenton. WCBN-FM Ann Arbor BN-FM WCBN-FM WCBN-FM Ann Arbor WCBN-FM Ann Arbor WCBN-FM A very pleasant, peaceful feeling. You relax deeper and deeper each downward count of my voice, 10. Relaxing deeper, nine, letting the body gently begin to sink deeper, eight. 8.3. Yes, it's like a a push-button radio, you see. 24 hours a day. Whether you like it or not. Oh, we're limited to a 500-mile radius now, but we're working to extend that limit.
Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And uh, I don't know, maybe everything slowed down a little bit this week with the clocks being set back. We had Halloween for a couple days. Strangely balmy weather for a couple days. Yeah. And now it's back to more typical early November fare. Chilly, but not. still haven't had a hard frost. So that's... Uh, Unusual. Uh, obviously, kind of interesting, uh, a, a week of huge guilty pleas by corporations in which the government's collecting a lot of money. Uh, J.P. Morgan, Johnson & Johnson, SAC. Uh, I think these three companies have just paid the federal government about $20 billion, which is... Hmm, about what the government shutdown cost America, according to most economists. So, well, gee, if, a lot uh, of criticism of Holder, but uh, with a lot of these corporate uh, out-of-court settlements, you're basically at least getting something. Nobody's going to jail, but white-collar crime is always a very iffy proposition when you go into court because they have the best lawyers in the world, and you see a lot of guilty people get off scot-free. It's uh, upsetting that uh, for those of us, you know, law-abiding citizens or small business owners or what have you who uh, pay our taxes to see uh, corporations walk, you know, and basically paying nickels on the dollar in some cases. And that's hard to imagine when you see these settlements of like, you know, millions of dollars. I mm -hmm. uh, think, wow, gee, that's a lot of money. Well, not really. If you look at the uh, earnings uh, quarterly statements and the uh, what what shareholders see uh, for these major corporations, this is really nickels chump change. Yeah, but uh, essentially it's uh, you know digging up money from between the cushions on the couch in the corporate world. Um, it's unfortunate that if the Supreme Court has favored an interpretation that sees uh, corporations as persons. Uh, that persons can't have a sense of obligation or responsibility. Um, these corporate persons, like normal human persons with children, might uh, see a sense of responsibility to, hey, I'm thankful that my headquarters is established in a country with free open market practices and a fairly well-educated labor force and blah, blah, blah. I'm happy to pay my taxes. Uh, of course, the great quote from... Uh, Supreme Court juror Oliver Wendell Holmes says, I don't mind paying taxes. That's how I buy civilization. Yeah, and I think that one of the interesting examples of congressional malfeasance, uh, by the way, uh, they're at all-time lows in the opinion polls, uh, down there with lice and <laughs> scabies, that sort of thing, uh, is malfeasance is, is the example where they don't go after these offshore loopholes as, as aggressively as they should. Our Senator Carl Levin, Michigan Senator Carl Levin, who is retiring uh, next year, has actually worked pretty hard on that issue in Congress, trying to get these loopholes closed down. And, of course, we had uh, hearings earlier this year which demonstrated, for instance, that a, uh, a hip company like Apple mm. pays zero money in taxes and has $75 billion parked offshore. Uh, this is corporate responsibility, I think, is a new, uh, not a new thing, but it should be emphasized as a uh, example of who are good citizens and who are not. 
And I'll believe that corporations are people when uh, they start executing a few of them, <laughs> especially in Texas. Uh, maybe the uh, the corporation involved in that horrible uh, ammonium nitrate explosion from a couple of uh, months ago uh, can be executed. Uh, even though I don't believe in the death penalty in too many cases except uh, examples of, uh, <clears throat> well, mass murder. Election day is tomorrow. Uh, here locally, not much on the ballot. I think there's a millage, probably a couple of city superficial members, city yeah. council races in which uh, most of the incumbents are facing... Uh, Marginal challengers, basically in Ann Arbor, it seems like the primaries determine who sits on city council. But I think two of the more interesting races uh, nationwide to look at are the margin of victory that uh, Duggan gets here in in Detroit Mm -hmm. and uh, the first uh, Caucasian mayor of Detroit in many, many decades, it looks like, and how... What is the margin of victory for Bill de Blasio in, in the mayoral race in uh, New York City? Uh, because Bill de Blasio, I think, is focused in his campaign quite uh, cogently on the issue of inequality, income inequality, and what's happening to our society. And more and more studies are demonstrating the complete maldistribution of wealth in the United States that's uh, beginning to hamper our economy in many ways. Well, and the attack by the right wing on public education is a major component of that. Uh, let's weaken the schools and uh, favor a system that uh, shovels public money into private schools, the voucher system, and then you've got a two-tier education system. Yeah, and I worry about on. whenever I hear the word voucher, <clears throat> for some reason I... My ears pick up, and I'm kind of uh, listening to who, who's ever making an argument about vouchers, because Paul Ryan, of course, did that mm. as candidate uh, for vice president in the last presidential election. He kept talking about changing uh, Medic- Medicare to a voucher system, whatever that means. Uh, and, you know, I, I think everything else would be kind of ho-hum. It doesn't look like uh, Christie will win in New Jersey fairly easily. It appears that Terry McAuliffe will win in Virginia by a narrow margin, but probably a couple of points. And I don't even view the Virginia uh, governor's race as either a referendum on the government shutdown or the uh, uh, sort of beleaguered Obamacare situation. Obama, of course, is, uh, you know, in my opinion, you know, he's come down a little bit in the polls, but in my opinion, he's actually had a couple of pretty good months. Because victories uh, are not, uh, you know, he doesn't have parades for, for instance, the example that uh, just last week it was announced that uh, the Syrian government is cooperating fairly heavily on the weapons, Mm. the chemical weapons situation. uh, And that uh, this process is going forward and that war has been avoided here. Uh, Negotiations on Iran, for instance, will give out a brain damage award today for the Iranian people that are celebrating the 34th anniversary of the embassy takeover with a Death to America Day. Well, look, the negotiations are going on pretty well behind the scenes. Uh, These uh, European uh, countries, uh, who we apparently spy on, 
Oh, we're spying on Iran constantly, too. <laughs> Still some unanswered questions about that. What did the president know? What didn't he know? And why didn't he know it? Uh, it seems that, like we mentioned last week, it seems like the Merkel uh, spying goes back to 2002. And it strikes me that maybe some Bush officials ought to be uh, answering questions about the Merkel spying. Uh, Condoleezza Rice was the uh, mm. national security advisor who uh, talked about mushroom clouds. Well, uh, let's... Uh, she's let's... too busy now to revisit the past. Well, right. She's on a football uh, committee. Right. That's her claim to fame now. Uh, scary stuff. Um, I've been reading a book this past week, uh, and I, sh I didn't bring it in with me, but the title of the book is... It's a memoir by a guy named Terry Lenzner. Uh, subtitle, I believe, The Investigator, 50 Years of Uncovering the Truth. It's a very interesting book to read. It's a quick read. I recommend reading it because this guy was involved in a lot of very interesting historical investigations as a sort of legal investigator behind the scenes. He worked on the Watergate Senate Committee. He investigated civil rights uh, crimes during the 1960s when he worked for the Department of Justice in the Ku Klux Klan and, uh, you know, the infiltration, limited as it was by the FBI, of some of the mm. uh, racist killings down there that were in violation, clearly, of uh, laws. <laughs> Basic human decency. Human decency. <laughs> uh, in fact, a Detroit uh, housewife, uh, Viola Leosa, was uh, murdered down in the South. Uh, for uh, giving a ride to uh, freedom, freedom riders, mm -hmm. so to speak. But one of the more interesting chapters in the book, and I haven't quite finished it, it's got an interesting uh, role, peripheral in the whole Bill Clinton impeachment uh, situation in which uh, the right-wing media fingered him somehow as an ally of Bill Clinton when they had never met but he, he, he was involved in the Watergate uh, investigation, working for the Senate committee. And he I don't know that he puts any new light into the Watergate mystery, but he does go into his theory about what the burglars were after. Uh, he, of course, thinks it's related to the Howard Hughes loan that uh, Howard Hughes gave to Richard Nixon in the 1950s when Richard... Cash money, by the way, yeah. we're talking. Cash money. And this, of course, was money that was also loaned out to uh, um, Richard Nixon's brother, Donald Nixon, who was promoting a, um, a product called the Nixon Burger. I love the concept. It's delicious, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Nixon, of course, grew up in uh, Southern California, the son of a grocer. Could have been the next McDonald's. And Howard Hughes allegedly gave uh, Nixon $100,000 in exchange for Nixon's mother signing over the deed, the lot to their uh, 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 childhood home that was worth something like $12,000. What a deal. Uh, Hughes, of course, bribed all sorts of politicians. He well, he gave uh, both money to both parties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, a real businessman who played his money like cards. Uh, eh, whoever wins, I win. 
Exactly. Well, anyway, Terry Lenzer interviewed John Dean eventually when he turned state's evidence, and of course, this prompted me to go back to uh, uh, the Richard Nixon's uh, Richard Nixon's encounterings with John Dean, and in one of the early meetings with John Dean back in, uh, it was actually I think on the fifteenth of uh, September, where he got an update. He met with Haldeman. And John Dean for the first time in person. John Dean was basically conduct, conducting an in-house investigation to figure out what the heck was going on. And, of course, it was a little difficult to figure out what was going on. But a couple of days later, that meeting, by the way, uh, took place late in the afternoon for about an hour uh, in which they talk about the uh, situation involving the the uh you know al patrick gray information that they might have nixon of course is furious that uh that it hasn't come out that there was bugging going on in 1968 and they even bugged in 1962 was the goddamnedest thing you ever saw nixon said they did it. Nobody did anything. That's right. And, of course, he's always obsessed with em enemies. Dean knows how to play them. They get into a brief discussion of Edward Bennett Williams and the some of the judges that are inve investigating the Watergate trial and what's going to happen with the uh, uh, Wright-Patman Senate Banking Committee investigating IT&T and all the illegal campaign contributions that Nixon was uh, correctly worried about. But a couple of days later, Nixon meets with Haldeman at Camp David, and this is one of those classic Richard Nixon conversations that I just uh, had, to, had to read again, because uh, Haldeman is informing Nixon of the campaign appearance in, in uh, California that's upcoming, and Nixon's interested in using the the yippies. And what's the date on this conversation? This is the 24th of September, 1972. Okay, and Haldeman probably doesn't realize he's being taped. Of course, no. Nixon does. Yeah. And so you've always got to listen to Nixon's comments as though they are a performance because he's aware of the document that's being forged, crafted, shaped uh, as they speak. And so he's always leading in interesting ways. Yeah, and it's great. And Haldeman tells Nixon that there will be some supporters of his uh, that they're hoping get into a conflict with the so-called yippies. And he, he tells Nixon it'll be the youth for Nixon types that'll be allowed into the dinners. Nixon says, I noticed you had a couple of hundred in the yard, right? And Haldeman said, <clears throat> and that would be the same thing in L.A., the same thing in San Francisco. Now, what we'll do is those kids will have tickets, so they'll get through the police line and into the hotel, and just before you arrive, we'll run them out to the front of the hotel, and they can whoop it up when you pull up. And in a few hundred at the hotel entrance, wildly enthusiastic, are going to look and sound as good as if we had a really big rally there. <laughs> Which we don't really have young people who really like you that much, but it'll look just like we do. We can't stage a people thing, Haldeman tells Nixon. Nixon says good. And this is where it gets classic. Nixon 
And segment two says, where do they get these yippies, Bob? They're the same group that hit us in Santa Fe, isn't it? The same kind. Yeah, the same kind of people. They're violent. They're based in San Francisco. Are they students? Mostly non-students. They work with the students. They use the students. They foment the students. I mean, are they dopies? And I think here Nixon, of course, meant, means dopers. Right. Uh, dopies. Dopies. Is, you know, he's one of the seven dwarfs, I think. Uh, they were, Haldeman says. I don't know if they still are or not. They probably are. I imagine they are. They're on that dope culture probably the same way. Nixon says, okay, they turned them out. What do you think McGovern's going to let them do it for? I'm not sure he has any control. Why, they're his. He's got control. Maybe he can uh, uh, just disrupt you, just so you don't get a free ride. Why didn't they do it in Texas? Unbelievable. <laughs> Haldeman says, that, that totally baffled me. Why didn't they have the Mexicans? Because they're hell. You could buy a batch of demonstrators. <laughs> so here you get the classic Nixon political mind with Haldeman being the kind of pseudo-sycophant. Uh, remarkable stuff. Where do they get those yippies, Bob? <laughs> the assumption being that uh, it must be some organized, you know, concentrated effort by the McGovern camp to harness this energy. There, there couldn't be any spontaneous outpouring of youthful frustration and right. resentment towards the uh, way that the Nixon administration had been running the, the Vietnam War. No, it's got to be something that McGovern set up. So there's a cluelessness, uh, yeah. you know, the language like dopies and stuff is uh, completely uh, detached from the actualities of pop culture. But uh, the other side of the coin is that they see, you know, this, it's got to be a McGovern thing. But at the same time, oh, we'll get these hundred youth for Nixon types yeah, and we'll get them all out there and whoop it up and it'll be great. It'll seem like we've got all these youthful supporters. And Hunter Thompson, of course, has some really brilliant things to say about these youth for Nixon types. Is in his famous Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail book uh, seventy two, where he finds himself amidst a crowd of them and uh, talking to them, and uh, that's just a, a particularly uh, rich and hilarious passage. But uh, these are sort of clueless folks who want to believe good things about the president but don't really understand the extent to which Nixon is beyond being simply a politician. He's, uh, he's a different kind of an animal. Yeah, and it's interesting that Terry Lenzner in his uh, memoir said that he found Nixon to be an odd person, <laughs> which I think uh, is really quite accurate. I think Nixon was, like he said, a kind of a lonely peculiar person not, not charismatic not conventionally good-looking by any stretch of the imagination uh, a very intelligent man certainly very well read um yeah obsessed with history yeah. and policy particularly um and you know despite the fact that we talk about nixon and his darker side you know quite frequently on this show 
Um, Nixon's a very complex figure, uh, almost Shakespearean in his uh, complexity. Um, and there were good things that occurred under his watch. Uh, public broadcasting, for example, the EPA. These are things that came about during the Nixon administration. But at the same time, you've got this completely uh, paranoid, narcissistic uh self-doubt this constant consuming i mean nixon destroyed himself yes there's he certainly did. no denying and the evidence is just laid out page after page of these transcripts uh with shocking you know uh candor some of the things that he says you're like wow that's insane yeah or off the reservation and i think <laughs> that it demonstrates that that all presidents of course have their ups and downs and with these policy debates, Obama, of course, in the last couple of weeks, is is uh, appeared to be befuddled by the problems with the Obamacare, you know, the technology, technological aspects of the whole thing, and whether he's responsible or not is is still unclear. But it strikes me that he delegated this to uh, the uh, Health and uh, Human Services uh, Secretary and. Obviously, these things have not worked out right. But I thought that the Republicans last week in their congressional hearings looked incredibly foolish uh, in in trying to attack uh, the the problems there. And as I say, no, nobody gets any coverage until January first, anyway. So there's still two months of of uh, technological fixes that can be put into play one of the great interesting things about the 40th anniversary of daylight savings this year we, we just uh, went off it yep is that back in 1973 we never went on to standard time because of the oil embargo that's right that was a very strange year if you're a youngster like uh, i and my sisters walking to the uh the bus stop in the morning um normally with daylight savings time you have that light hour in the morning uh, it was dark, just always dark. Always dark. And, uh, of course, the oil embargo was the result of the Saudi Arabi uh, Arabian government slapping the embargo on uh, the United States for its role in the Yom Kippur War. 1973 war, yeah. And I noticed there was almost no historical discussion of that anniversary uh, just a couple of weeks ago, because that war started, I believe, on the 6th of October. They coincided that year with the Yom Kippur mm -hmm. holiday, hence it's called the Yom Kippur War. The embargo, of course, lasted five months into 1974. And it's fascinating, as I noted a couple of weeks ago, that Saudi Arabia has recently decided not to participate uh, as a member of the Security Council. Right. Uh, first time they've ever, I guess, been on the Security Council. This is sort of a, I guess, a slap in the face of the Obama administration's unwillingness to arm the Syrian rebels, this sort of hodgepodge group. Uh, that is in control of eastern Syria and some of the actual minor oil-producing regions of Syria. Syria is not a major oil producer. Uh, they never have been and never will be. So uh, it's interesting that Kerry has been on this kind of uh, Middle Eastern European tour tr trying to patch up relations in all sorts of areas, including Saudi Arabia. I think he was there last week. 
um, Daniel Jurgen, who's one of the more interesting historical writers about uh, the energy issue over the past 30, 40 years. He also, by the way, wrote a really good Cold War history uh, early in his career as a historian. Uh, this I, I don't remember the exact title of that book, but it's probably his first uh, sort of uh, university of press style book um, about the Cold War, the origins of the Cold War. It's a well respected historical analysis of the Cold War. His most famous book, of course, is called The Prize about the uh, the great oil riches of the Mideast. Yeah, and he has a new one now called, uh, he's now basically an energy expert. His new book is called The Quest, uh, Energy Security and the Remaking of the Modern World, published by Penquin uh, in 2012. And... Um, I mentioned this uh, Wall Street Journal article that's dated the 10th, or excuse me, the 15th of October, only because Rupert Murdoch has been in the news this past week. We've had uh, salacious allegations coming out of Great Britain. Colson and, uh, oh, it looked like Sonny and Cher. (laughs) Sonny McGee and, uh, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee. Ah, okay. (laughs) Uh, Salacious allegations coming out of the British uh, trial of of Colson and um, uh, what's her name the the secret lover the secret lover it turns out they had a secret love affair Rebecca Brooks yeah uh, who was and uh, by all historical accounts apparently uh, s- sort of scheduled to kind of take over Murdoch's empire almost uh, he regarded her almost like a daughter. And um, Murdoch will somehow keep out of this scandal, I'm sure, one way or another. But uh, it certainly raises big question marks about Rupert Murdoch's role politically around the globe. Uh, Quite recently, the conservatives took over in Australia. Murdoch owns an incredible amount of the Australian media. And, of course, in Britain, uh, his forte were the tabloids and the salacious headlines that he was always able to use to uh, promote his political agenda. Here in the United States, well, he owns the Wall Street Journal and Fox News. And we certainly know what Fox News does on a daily basis. Hey, I still think Fox News needs to be in quotes because it's really not a news agency so much as it is a uh, full-tilt propaganda salami factory. Yeah. It's and it's it's unashamedly a so. It's very much a. Tabloid. It's almost like it's almost like televised tabloid journalism yeah. on, on a perpetual basis. John Stewart on the Daily Show does a really good job of sort of a nightly dissection of the the latest grotesqueries and stupidities from Fox. But uh, their eagerness to jump up on there's like a, a clock they have that's counting down, you know, till the Affordable Health Care website works. I was hoping that. Uh, Anybody who's got a high school student uh, knows that uh, letters of recommendation were due this week, applications for early enrollment, the big uh, sort of universal website that people are using for that, the common application, was also suffering a major technological glitch. Uh, Nothing could get loaded or or added, so a brain damage award to the common app people. Uh, But I was wondering, gee, if uh, Fox really cared about the well-being of American people, they'd have a separate clock counting down the time. Uh, until the common app site is up and working properly, if they're so concerned about 
the failures of websites. Yeah, and I wonder, by the way, just uh, to let you know, Yazoo City uh, Colin will be coming up shortly here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. We'd uh, like to thank Andrew for engineering this evening, but it's quite interesting that just uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, actually this is uh, from the 25th of October, the uh, Charles and David Koch Empire has now admitted to failing to disclose more than $15 million 